0: it's wednesday july 26th i'm brian dean wright former cia operations officer and this is the right report hey good day to you ladies and gentlemen welcome to the right report your daily news podcast i've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping america and the world First up, we're a couple of hours away from Hunter Biden facing a judge about his crimes and a related plea deal. I'll give you the latest on what to expect and why it is so very important. Second, I've got an update for you on the global food supply, including news that India has banned the export of rice, plus how Russia continues to blow up wheat infrastructure all around Ukraine. We'll talk about how that impacts you. Third, the country of Israel is in conflict this morning. Some military reservists there are threatening not to fight in a war, even if their government tells them to. I'll explain what is going on and why we should care. Later, we close out the podcast with a bit of a mystery. The government of China is buying a massive amount of oil and diesel, and analysts are not sure why. We'll talk about the possible reasons to include a war with Taiwan. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Hunter Biden is set to plead guilty today to two misdemeanor charges related to his failure to pay taxes. At 10 a.m. Eastern, Biden will face a U.S. District Judge in Delaware who will hear details on what is a pretty controversial plea deal that's letting him avoid felony charges and prison time related to tax avoidance and the unlawful possession of a gun. But based on a slew of reporting from the Wall Street Journal to CNN, this Trump appointed judge will almost certainly approve the deal. That's despite the fact that whistleblowers from both the FBI and the IRS are saying that the investigation into Hunter Biden was marked by years of either suspicious or frankly outright corrupt acts by U.S. Justice Department officials. Now, it is possible that because of those whistleblowers and their testimony, the judge in this case, a judge, Mary Ellen Norica, could reject the deal. In fact, late last night, there was all sorts of drama related to Hunter Biden's legal team. Apparently, they called the courthouse and they impersonated House Republicans trying to get them to remove an amicus brief. In other words, Hunter's team called the courthouse, said, we are the House Republicans. We filed something called an amicus brief asking the judge to consider the whistleblowers and their testimony. Well, actually, we want to withdraw that amicus brief. Judge, don't pay attention to those whistleblowers. That is effectively what Hunter Biden's team did late yesterday and last night. As you can imagine, the judge was not pleased by that because obviously impersonating or lying to the court, that's bad. We'll see how that plays out. But at this very early hour, it still appears that she will likely agree to the deal. Although you should expect that she will press the DOJ attorneys on how exactly they came to the terms of this agreement and why. So bottom line, absent any blockbuster revelations or sudden change in direction, Hunter Biden will get this controversial plea deal and then likely will return back to the court in the next number of weeks to be sentenced, which again, to emphasize, there will be no jail time so long as he stays sober. The question, though, is what happens after these latest legal troubles are, frankly, swept away? Because we have heard some pretty damning testimony by those IRS and FBI whistleblowers. I briefed you on that last Thursday. Well, Republicans in the House of Representatives have made very clear that they are not done exploring the allegedly corrupt behavior of either the Department of Justice under Joe Biden or the illegal conduct of Hunter Biden or, of course, his father, Mr. Joe Biden. In fact, we've got one very important person who's set to testify this coming fall on Capitol Hill. That is U.S. Attorney David Weiss. He's been the lead DOJ prosecutor involved in this investigation with the Bidens. We've also got another individual named Devin Archer. He's a former Hunter Biden business associate. According to the New York Post and other media outlets, Mr. Archer is going to testify that Joe Biden himself, participated in dozens of phone calls with hunter biden's foreign business partners that includes the chinese and ukrainians even though to this day in fact joe biden continues to deny that he ever participated in any of his son's business deals by the way apparently mr archer he is going to testify to those facts under oath next monday so that folks is what you should expect to see or hear today as hunter biden faces that judge in delaware let me now pivot away from facts and data briefly to my analysis and opinion. And I'll simply say this. No judge, whether they be appointed by a Democrat or a Republican, should ever sign off on any plea deal when you have multiple whistleblowers who are testifying under oath that the government has cooked the books on the investigation that is leading to the plea deal. That seems pretty obvious. And I'll tell you, at some point, what this judge has to decide is does she want to restore some degree of confidence in America's judicial system? Because that is ultimately what this is about. Or if I could bring back the words of one of the IRS whistleblowers who testified last week, quote, at the end of the day, it's a matter of, are we treating everyone the same? Are we treating all taxpayers the same? And in this case of Hunter Biden? No, I don't think so. End quote. And you know what? He's right. He's right. The facts show that the Biden family corruption allegations have not received a, a fair or impartial inquiry. And no matter your politics, that's just wrong. And if this judge has any sense, she will make it right in just the next couple of hours. With that, let's move on to our second brief of the morning. And this one is all about global food supply and ultimately your budget. So let's start off with grains, especially the price of wheat and corn. And I'll tell you, both have been on a tear this week after Russia withdrew from that Black Sea Grain Initiative, all as a part of what we call here on the right report, the Wheat Wars. Well, as I briefed you last week, Russia began striking Kiev's grain infrastructure all around the country to include again yesterday, causing major damage to silos and other port operations. Well, because of that, Yesterday, the International Monetary Fund said that the global grain prices, at least they're predicting, will increase by at least 15% and stay there for some time. And that is certainly bad for global consumers, although I should say one country is probably not going to be affected by this increase in pricing, and that's the African country of Mali. And that's because Russia announced that Mali would be getting some of Russia's wheat supply at a pretty steep discount about 50,000 tons in all, and that'll actually make up for some of the lost supply that they had been getting from Ukraine. Now, if you're wondering why Russia would do this favor for Mali, well, listeners might recall that leaders of that country in the capital of Bamako are very close to and utilize the services of the Wagner Group. And so I suspect that Moscow is doing their ally a favor. And they'll probably do the same for other friends in the region as well, by the way, all to ensure that Putin does not get blamed for the wheat wars. So, my friends, there you have it. Wheat and corn prices likely to keep rising. All right, let's move on from wheat and let's talk about some rice. And let's start with something that you might not know. The country of India exports about 40% of the world's supply of rice, which makes them by far the world's largest supplier. Unfortunately, there's a problem for all the rice lovers all around the world because New Delhi announced last week that they are going to ban all exports of non-basmati white rice. That's effective immediately. According to Bloomberg News, Indian leaders are doing this because they want to ensure a stable domestic supply and keep prices low all ahead of national elections that are being held in early 2024. Well, this export ban has led to some pretty panicked buying all throughout Asia, most especially, where most consumers get their rice. But we're also seeing lines of consumers in front of grocery stores in places like Canada, Australia, and even the United States too. In fact, some stores are putting limits on how much rice that consumers can buy. So do keep that in mind the next time you're shopping. By the way, if there is any good news to report on this global uh, food supply issue, It's that global corn, things are looking pretty good, actually. The U.S. is expected to have a pretty decent harvest. Brazil, meanwhile, they anticipate a record crop there, too. But as ever, I'm focused on something called the hard wheats, which are used for baking breads. Those stocks have been absolutely hammered by drought in both the U.S. and Canada. Plus, we've got that El Nino weather condition. That could throw a monkey wrench into global production of all sorts of crops, most especially that hard wheat. So I'm going to keep an eye on that as this, of course, affects not only our pocketbooks, but also consumers all around the world, including very poor nations where increasing food prices tend to cause things like riots and market chaos. More to come. With that, my friends, let's take our first break of the morning. Enjoy the following messages from our sponsoring partners, remembering that if you don't hear my voice, telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, Brian here. I want to tell you about a product that's important to me. But first, something that you might not know. Of the 100 prescription drugs that Americans use most, 83 are sourced from abroad, and virtually all of it comes from either China or India. And I think that that is absolutely awful. And so, too, do the folks at arcseedkits.com. They provide heirloom seeds that can grow medicinal herbs year after year for a whole host of ailments from anxiety to sleeplessness to topical pain. But Beyond Medicines, their all-in-one seed kit also gets you 65 varieties of fruits and vegetables from carrots to tomatoes, onions to peppers. And that, my friends, is food security. And that's important because I believe that the likelihood of a war between China and the United States is growing. And that means that we need to be prepared to protect ourselves and our families and that is why i believe my friends in arcseedkits.com those are heirloom seeds that can be used year after year for whatever the future might hold so go to arcseedkits.com enter that promo code of right like my last name and then you will get 10 percent off so yes go to arcseedkits.com today you will not regret this investment Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. And we start in the Middle East, where the Israeli people are deeply divided this morning over judicial reforms. and Many are, in fact, protesting, including some in Israeli military. In fact, they're promising not to serve their country so long as these reforms stay on the books. And that is leading Israel's enemies in places like Iran to consider how they might take advantage of the chaos which depending on how it plays out could certainly involve the u.s and our military so let's unpack this growing danger frankly in israel and to do so we're going to take a fairly complicated issue around israeli politics and their legal system and boil it down to its most basic elements and let's start with a pretty simple explanation of something that you might not know israel ladies and gentlemen does not have a constitution which is pretty surprising, actually. That's because they're generally referred to as the only real democracy in the Middle East. So what gives? Well, it's a bit of a quirk of history, really. After the country was founded in 1948, they were supposed to write and adopt a constitution, but, well, the years went by and they never got around to it. Politics have usually gotten away. Instead, the country has been operating on something called basic laws. It's a a series of 13 laws that have been passed over the many decades since 1948 that at least some people argue that are kind of like the foundation of a constitution. And someday they could be. Now they deal with things like basic rights and duties and responsibilities of Israeli citizens. But for now, these basic laws are not ironclad. They're simply laws. And this issue of no constitution and basic laws, well, that has led to a host of pretty thorny issues over the decades, namely whether and how these basic laws can be challenged uh, by whom and ultimately who decides what the ultimate law of the land is in Israel. Is it the legislative branch and the prime minister or is it the judicial branch and the Supreme Court? So that is the very simplified background of this ongoing raging debate in Israel that leads us, in fact, to last January. That's when the current prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, launched what he called judicial reforms. So his belief was and is that judges and the Supreme Court in his country have repeatedly overstepped their boundaries. They've become sort of activists, overturning very important legislation. Now, his opponents, however, mostly the nation's liberals and progressives, They strongly disagree. They say that Netanyahu is is a dictator and that he and his party are trying to destroy democracy. Well, because the debate got so heated, in fact, hundreds of thousands of people were protesting in the streets, Prime Minister Netanyahu decided to pause his efforts to pass these reforms. And instead, he said he hoped to find a negotiated settlement and ultimately calm passions. Well, that was in March, and no settlement was reached since then. And that led to earlier this week, the Nesset, which is the sole legislating body controlled by Mr. Netanyahu and his coalition, they passed some of these judicial reforms. One of them, by the way, says this, that the legislature or the Nesset, in other words, can override any Supreme Court ruling that the parliament deems unreasonable. So a lot of people are very upset about this, including military reservists. And that is why I'm actually bringing this news to you. Some members of what is called the Israeli Defense Force, or the IDF, well, they and reservists are saying that they're going to refuse to serve their country now because of this new legislation. So I should say that the exact number of reservists who are refusing and their role, that's unclear at this hour. But Netanyahu on Monday acknowledged that this issue was very serious. He said, quote, We all know that the IDF relies on dedicated reservists who love this country but calls for refusal to serve harm the security of every citizen of the state, end quote. Well, I'll tell you, it's not just Netanyahu that sees this military refusal as a major problem. So too do Israel's enemies. Although I should be clear, they don't really see it as a problem, more as an opportunity. As reported by Reuters news service yesterday, enemies like Iran, Hamas, and Hezbollah are all discussing how they might use this issue to strike Israel when it is most divided, and perhaps, frankly, least able to respond if, in fact, these reservists go on strike. As one member of Hamas said, quote, we are discussing ways to upgrade the work of resistance, end quote. And to be clear, if that happens, if Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah upgrade their work of resistance, well, that could lead to a major flare-up of violence in the Middle East, that, at least based on decades before, have shown us that that eventually draws in the U.S. government and sometimes U.S. troops. So that, my friends, is why we should care about this ongoing judicial drama in Israel. Now, I suspect that we're going to come back to this topic again down the road, but for now, let me pivot quickly from facts and data to my analysis and opinion on this, offering an observation. Can you imagine if the United States right now had to do what Israel has to do, write a constitution for the first time. Can you imagine how far or not we would get in that process? Because you would have Democrats and socialists like Bernie Sanders and AOC trying to hash out an agreement with Republicans and say Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. And they would be debating the very foundation of our government. I I think that would be an absolute mess. And we would not have a constitution just like in Israel. So all I can say is oh, thank God for the founding fathers. They were imperfect, wildly so. Right? They had profound disagreements amongst each other, violently so at times. But they were also very smart, and they were so very focused on one central premise that they believed would not just unite the country but create the nation. And that is that we are born with certain rights. We are born with liberty, and ultimately we run the government. The government does not run us. And my goodness, is that powerful? What a gift. So here's hoping that the Israelis work through this crisis without needing our help, and they can find their own founding fathers and mothers to help them fashion a constitution worthy of the very proud Israeli people. More to come. Finally, this morning, I've got a brief for you about a mystery, and it has to do with China. So over the past few weeks, media outlets like the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times have published a series of articles on something that they see as very bizarre. And I must say, by my own read of the data, I agree with them. And it has to do with oil, but it could really be about war. So here's what we know this morning as reported by those media outlets. Starting in April, the Chinese government and state-owned oil companies started to increase their purchases of both oil and diesel. And I mean by a lot. Uh, Diesel purchases, for instance, were up 26% year over year and up 40% since just before the pandemic. Meanwhile, they're buying up a lot of oil too for their refineries, a shocking 25%. And I say shocking because the Chinese economy, by all measures, is not doing well. It does not need the excess oil or the diesel. For example, data show that their property sector is absolutely in the tank. Construction companies and projects are defaulting. We're also seeing that highway and freight transportation is way down too. Meanwhile, factory orders, those are all way down as well. So the question becomes, why the dramatic increase of oil and diesel? Or as the Wall Street Journal said, quote, Chinese oil demand doesn't make sense, end quote. Well, a lot of folks are speculating about this. Nobody's quite sure. Some say that the Chinese government made a mistake. They ordered too much oil and diesel. Others say that actually it's an investment in the future as the economy will eventually take off. Things will get better. But experts at places like Rystad Energy recently said that it could be something else. In fact, they could be preparing for some sort of geopolitical concern, as they said. In other words, a crisis in Taiwan. So I want you to bookmark this, what I will call odd signal. I want you to put it on your radar because look, we should be careful not to speculate, but we should also be very mindful of looking for signals. All because Chinese president, Xi has said that he wants to take back Taiwan by force, if necessary by the year 2027, but possibly before. So as we bookmark that signal, I want you to consider two other data points. First, we know that China is increasing the number of warplanes and naval vessels that they continue to shoot around Taiwan and its waters. For example, last Friday, we saw 37 jets and seven naval vessels for the first time at that level, or those numbers, I should say. By the way, that is according to the Associated Press. And then there's this second data point. The Washington Post reported yesterday that China has an alarming number of people without jobs, especially younger people. They noted that the unemployment rate for those folks aged 16 to 24, most especially those recent college graduates, their unemployment rate is anywhere from 21 to 50 percent. So you put those things together, ladies and gentlemen, in other words, this odd increase of oil and diesel, right? Plus the increase of military activity around Taiwan, that desire to reclaim the island by force if necessary. And then this country full of underemployed and restless young people of fighting age well, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, it's on my radar, and now it's on your radar too. So let's keep watching this one, folks, because depending on what President Xi decides to do next, this could have absolutely profound implications for every single person on this planet, especially those poor listeners who didn't buy those uh, <clears throat> ARC seed kits to prepare. Oh, now I'm just being cheeky. All right, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. Now, since we've covered a lot of great news this morning, I don't have one more thing before I let you go, so I'm just going to wish that you have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Good day.